0: Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Last week, We carried on with our series, picking up on one of the themes that Paul wrote about when he wrote to that young church in Colossae. And Tim expanded excellently on the advice that was given about our position as believers in relation to the local church. And now, as we carry on, Paul turns his attention to another area. He starts to look at family life. Colossians 3, verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything... For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You know, over the years when I've preached on subjects, there have been just a couple of subjects that I've found that are difficult to preach on well actually there's probably more than that because there are whole books of the Bible that people tend to feel are under preached because either they're particularly complex or because of their content two spring to mind straight away the book of Revelation and song of songs but I think there are certain subjects that a lot of preachers tend to avoid. One of them is money. You know, it's very hard to preach on a biblical approach to giving in a grace-filled way without feeling that you're either being condemning of people who may well already be giving generously, or it coming across that you're simply making appeal for more money. Yet the need to teach on that subject persists. Another is family life. And I think the reason that that one is avoided is because more than in any other area, it opens up the preacher's whole life to inspection. It makes him possibly the subject of criticism and comment and that can be uncomfortable and apart from anything else it can be unfair on his family and that I think is particularly true in churches such as ours where we don't have this artificial formality that creates a barrier between leaders and their lives and the rest of the church When we can shut our doors of the vicarage or the manse. When we can hide behind vestments. It makes it so much easier. But the subjects come up. And when I went through, tempted as I was, I didn't feel that this was a subject I could inflict on anyone else who preaches here regularly. So here goes. Just to start... Many of you will know that Mawena and I have been married for just a shade under 29 years. And it's no reflection to this subject that she isn't here this morning. I want to just say that. In fact, we've been married 28 years, 11 months, one day, 23 hours and about 37 minutes. Not that I've been counting. So next year for us is a landmark year. has already started to (laughs) drop hints. It will be our pearl wedding anniversary. And I think she's got something in mind. She keeps talking about Paris and weekends. I've come up with something I think will please her. A bowl of mussels. How about that? She loves them. And it will remind her of all those happy holidays we've had over the years in France. And it will be far cheaper than going to Paris. (laughs) And you never know. I mean, I don't know whether mussels can produce pearls, but we can hold out in faith for one, can't we? So, we might strike lucky. But anyway, recently I was talking to a friend. And they had just celebrated their golden wedding anniversary. And over the years, their relationship had always impressed me. I'd rarely ever seen or heard of a dispute between them. And so I asked the husband, how had he managed to live in such peace with his wife over all the years? And he said, it's simple. It goes right back to our honeymoon. We went to America and we visited the Grand Canyon, and we went on one of those trips right down to the bottom of the canyon on a pack mule. Well, we hadn't gone too far, and the mule my wife was on just stumbled slightly on the path. And I didn't think much of it, but my wife just leaned over, patted the horse on the neck, and quietly whispered in its ear, That's once. We went a little further and I noticed her mule stumbled again. And this time she just quietly leant forward and said, twice. When half a mile later, the mule stumbled a third time, his wife removed a gun from her pocket and shot the mule. He said, well, I was about to object to this cruelty when she just looked round at me and said, that's once. <laughs> but ladies, can I just encourage you to put your guns down this morning. Just for a moment. And any other weapons that you might be carrying. Because otherwise I don't think I'm going to enjoy my lunch. Or certainly not intact. Anyway, jokes aside, the Bible gives us some serious advice on how we should conduct family life. But like all of Scripture, it isn't wise to remove one verse from its context. We have to look at it in the light of Scripture as a whole. In the letter to the Galatians, in chapter 5, Paul writes encouraging them to walk in the Spirit to spend their lives in tune with the Spirit's leading. And when he gets to verse 9, he says, Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then, with this stood in their mind, this encouragement to walk in the Spirit, in the light, just a few verses forward, he encourages them more specifically. He says, look carefully then at how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, because that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's giving them some good advice. He's saying to them, live a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Encourage one another. Live out a life of praise, of worship, and of thankfulness. And I mean, we would do well to practice that ourselves in our daily walk. And then he continues submitting to one another. And I think that has to be our backdrop this morning. Before we consider anything else, that out of our reverence for Christ and everything he has done for us, we should be putting one another first. Submitting, preferring, yielding to each other because of everything he has done. In fact, there's no room for anything else in the church. It shouldn't be a place of disputes, of claiming rights, or of domination. But rather, as we look at each other and see Christ in each other, it should be a place of mutual respect. A place where love is shown, resulting in this mutual submission. And we're not talking about something here which is artificial or imposed, but a natural expression of our community life together. And then in that letter to the Galatians, he carries on. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I think it's interesting that he's in fact telling wives that they should be looking to their own husbands. Perhaps it's suggesting they were looking elsewhere. Perhaps they were looking at men they felt were godlier than their own husbands for direction. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When I read that passage... I sometimes think the whole subject might just have been clearer if Paul had reversed some of his arguments. Maybe if he'd started this paragraph by putting the onus on husbands to love their wives to the point of dying for them. I wonder if the context would come across so differently. In 1 Peter 3, we see this advice reiterated. And in fact, it's then taken outside of the church context. It says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So relationships in the church are meant to be based on mutual submission, putting one another first. And then within marriage, there is to be a relationship based on selfless love by the husband that makes it possible for his wife to put her life in his hands. Just as we have demonstrated in our relationship with Christ. That as he selflessly gave up everything of himself. As he walked this earth and prepared to die bearing our sins. We find it possible to trust him with our lives. But back to the letter to Colossians. Paul continues with his advice on family life. He says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. I mean, here, Paul is painting a picture which is so different to modern family life. In fact it was probably quite a long way removed from families of the day because when you read in Timothy about the qualifications for leadership in the church we find it says he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Contrary to what we see portrayed so often in modern family life, the family is meant to be a place of love, of peace and of security. And that only happens when there is respect and honour between its members. What we then see is that the same model of servant leadership is, that is used in the church is to be used in the family. And that puts a great responsibility on any of us who are husbands and fathers. But these weren't new ideas. The teaching of Paul on family life wasn't in fact that revolutionary. The culture in which he lived already had strong views on behaviour and standards. And to some extent, what Paul was doing was Christianising the model of conduct that he knew would be acceptable. But we can't ignore the fact that we see this model of submission and honouring as a recurring theme throughout the whole of Scripture. We see it demonstrated in the Godhead, in the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We see it mirrored in creation. We see it mirrored in marriage. We see it in leadership in the church. And we see it in our position as believers in our relationship with Christ. We need to recognize that these concepts bring harmony to our lives and to our relationships. And we've got to be careful to make sure that modern feminist thinking doesn't colour what we believe these comments of Paul to mean. The first point is this is not about inequality. Christ is subject to the Father, but he's equal to him. He is every bit as much God. In the same way, when we choose to submit to someone Because that's what it is, it's a choice. It doesn't make our value any less than theirs. That's a worldly view. In God's eyes, our value is intrinsic. It is about who we are in Christ. It's not about ourselves, it's not about what we do. And nothing can take away from that. In fact as we become transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ, so our true value is actually displayed for everyone to see. In God's eyes, every one of us is equal. We are a beloved child of His. It's not about silence. It's not about losing our voice. I'm in a slightly unusual position at work because of choices I've made. Because I've chosen not to pursue a career path. I have a boss who in some areas has less experience and knowledge than I have. Now... I could just take the view that he's my boss, and so I'll keep quiet and let him make all the decisions, even when I know they will cause problems. But I don't think that's the right thing to do. And I often find he comes to me and he has a chat about things. And then, having heard my perspective, he will go and make his decision. Sometimes he agrees with me, sometimes he doesn't, that's life. But in either case, he knows what I think. And I feel he makes a better decision because of the additional information and insight that I've given him. Being submissive is not about having no voice. And so in our relationships, it's important, but there's good communication, particularly over important decisions. A loving husband will want to take his wife's views into account how else can he decide what is in her best interest submission doesn't mean that you are a doormat it doesn't mean there's no freedom submission shouldn't be restrictive Paul is clear that we having been set free by Christ, shouldn't make us subject again to slavery. In fact, he uses that word submit. Do not submit to slavery. In our relationship, Morwenna feels the freedom to make loads of decisions. She was going to talk a bit about this this morning, but unfortunately she wasn't able to come. She doesn't feel the need to come to me about everything. She knows that. She knows she's free on how to allocate her time. She knows she can go and buy things. The things she needs and lots of other stuff aside. Because we've agreed it. But on big decisions. Decisions that affect us both. We talk about the pros and cons. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. But what we've agreed is that if we can't get to that point of agreement, then prayerfully, one of us has to make a decision. And so I do that before God for that outcome. The relationship that's being put forward is one where there is a loving, honouring environment... Where there's open communication and discussion. Where the views of each party are held with respect. Where the husband is putting the needs of his wife and his family above his own. And that leaves the wife able to release that to him with confidence and with joy. It's a relationship where there is a mutual appreciation of each other's gifting and abilities. Rejoicing in each other's achievements. Where the husband takes a lead in the family and where, when necessary, the wife and the children follow that lead. Does it happen naturally? (laughs) No. is the short answer. The changes involved when we get married are often a challenge. We have to move about thinking about ourselves to a wider consideration of each other. And that takes practice. Fear, lack of communication and all sorts of other factors means that we have to work at it to make it work. It's like when we're saved from this world. We're more used to thinking about our own needs than those around us. And it takes some adjustment. And so Jesus said, the greatest commandments are to love God and one another. And then in 1 Corinthians 13 we're reminded, love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And as we learn to truly love one another some of this naturally falls into place. Is it worth it? I would say yes. I'll let Moenna someone speak for herself. It begs the question, what if I'm simple? Sorry. <laughs> I'll try that one again. What if I'm single? (laughs) Those two words are not to be put together in the same sentence. Okay, They're they're not equatable. Then, in your situation today, there's still application. Because God still calls us to submit. He calls us to submit to those who employ us. And Martin is going to speak about that in a couple of weeks' time. He calls us to submit to those who are in authority over us, to leaders and to the government and others. And so it's good still to understand the way in which it works. And for the future, you never know, there may be a point where marriage is a consideration. And if you're a woman, I'd say it's good to ask yourself the question, as you look at a future husband, do you have the level of trust and confidence in him that would enable you to adopt that position? If you're a guy, can you put the needs of your future wife above your own? Can you learn to be selfless? Because that's going to be important. For teenagers, you know, I don't remember it myself, but I gather that teenage years can be difficult. Because you want to start to be treated like an adult, but you don't quite have the experience and understanding to pull it off. And your parents have to try and learn how and when to give you more responsibility and freedom, and when to just hold back a bit. My advice to you is this, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, there was one that carried with it a promise. He said, honour your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So I'd say, if you want to see God's blessing on your life, if you want to have a long prosperous future then follow Paul's advice and obey your parents. I didn't feel this was a subject this morning to go into a long application. Neither did I feel that it was one where I felt there was an immediate need for a call to come forward for prayer. But if you do want prayer on any of the things that come up this morning... Paula's word of knowledge about the issues that have come up about splashing in the puddles, about taking that extra step and pushing into the fullness of God's Spirit. Then do just ask someone to pray with you. Otherwise, my God just. <sighs> Sorry? you around, those weren't the words I was looking for, sorry, they'll do, they'll do, but I just hope you have a great week with God, I just, I just hope that He empowers you richly this week, and that you might know His grace abound in your lives, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.